Listeners, start your engines. Franchise Detours, episode 62. Rob here. On this episode, Jose Lopez Jr., new new voice to the Crooked Table family, joins the show to discuss 2009's X-Men Origins Wolverine. That's right, folks. We are back with our X-Men megaseries, working our way through the perhaps craziest Marvel movie franchise that includes the one that's now all over the multiverse. Uh, we'll find out exactly how this one of the least popular installments in the franchise fares. As always, you can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about 2009's X-Men Origins, colon, Wolverine. Putting together a special team special privileges join me but you will have your revenge I want new ones and what do you want them to say Wolverine become the animal embrace the other side I think he heard you. Don't worry, we'll stop him. We just spent half a billion dollars making him indestructible. I know who you are, Gambit. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we're continuing our retrospective on the very lengthy X-Men movie franchise, starting with 2000's X-Men, all the way through 2019's Dark Phoenix. So nearly 20 years of mutant films. In this episode, we were talking 2009's X-Men Origins. X, I guess it's X-Men Origins colon Wolverine, I think is what they ended up going with. And I am honored to welcome to the show, Ho- Jose Lopez Jr. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Well, thank you for having me. This is I'm actually I'm actually excited. I'm actually excited as as you're talking about this. I don't know why. This is I, I enjoy podcasts so much, and I'm glad to be on one. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. This of all movies, this is this is one I'm so glad I have a guest who's excited to be on there to, <laughs> to talk about because this has, I would say, and you can you know jump in with your perspective here. Mm-hmm. I would say the weakest reputation of these ten movies, or or like thereabouts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe add something because you said. 2000 to 2019 with Dark Phoenix, and I'm actually looking mm-hmm. at the, the New Mutants that came out in 2020. I know. So I gotta see. Do you do include we count that? that? That's that's <laughs> the ling- That's the lingering thread of this mega series. It's sort of a, I guess, yes. kind of a an, an accidental running joke that I'm like, but does that count? Does that exist? Really? <laughs> Is that a thing? But I, I would say, uh, otherwise, it's a very probably accepted idea that uh, X Men Origins Wolverine is a is a weak entry, uh, yeah, weakest. Which, I would say, which which we will get we will get into all all about that. Uh, tell people a little bit about who you are, what you have going on in the world before we get to X Men. Oh well, I'll give you a short version. I guess I'm a freelance photographer. I focus mostly on weddings, events, and then the occasional headshot. Uh, I enjoy movies. I don't like to call myself an aficionado or a cinephile uh, because I feel like those those titles may take themselves too seriously. I just like to say I enjoy movies. I like talking about them with my friends and other people, such as people on podcasts. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I just, I like to try to, to remember they're made for entertainment. But sometimes I do kind of fall into the the critical side of things. And I probably took a hard look on movies that I should just kind of step back from. Yeah. Was I, that? Think it, I think, <laughs> no, no, that's great. I think it's important. My whole thing is, and I used to use this word on the podcast, uh, on a previous version of my other podcast a lot. I, mm-hmm. I think it's important to like democratize the way you t- consume movies. Like yes. you could see a mission impossible and it could be a masterpiece. And then you could see an Oppenheimer and it could be a masterpiece doesn't mean one is necessarily better or worse or, or or whatever. It's just different genres, you know, different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Yes. There's sort of philosophy that I think Roger Ebert used to use all the time where he was, he always rated a movie based on, does it live up to its potential? Like, does this movie mm. do what this movie promises it will do? How well does it do that? And I think that's how he ended up giving things like speed, like three and a half out of four stars. And then also like, you know, Schindler's List or whatever big Oscar baited serious movie came out around the same time. That was the year before, but, but you know, <laughs> I think that's important to kind of take each film as on its own. Uh, so I love that you have that philosophy. Yes. And I, I know you've been on other podcasts before. Do you want to tell people where else they can find you and promote uh, your other podcast appearances? Well, I mean, it's called, uh, we needed roads, a not so subtle take on the, the Back to the Future franchise, if you, especially if you look at the logo. Uh, it's with my friend Neil and his longtime friend David. They're both in England. And the guy, Neil, I met him while working on cruise ships back in 2010. Uh, he was a videographer. I was a photographer. Again, I cut that out because I have a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, again, another old friend who uh, we both like talking movies, and I kind of wiggled my way into his podcast. So... Uh, it just, yeah. yeah. Oh, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I, I was, I was saying about your, your previous podcast appearances and you guys, uh, I believe you, you, they had you talking about the scream franchise. So another movie franchise basically. Yes. Yes. So you're, you're I, becoming a pro at this now. 
I, I have to say, it really does make a difference seeing all these movies together, especially the Scream franchise, because I did have a somewhat negative idea of it because I had seen a couple, but not all, and they were all spaced out when they came uh, when they came to theaters. And seeing them together, I think, really made me appreciate the franchise a little bit more. You know, it's still a campy, fun horror series, but it was a lot smarter than I remembered. Just especially because it the way it adjusted to the times, and um, that's that's a whole other thing you can listen to on the podcast. <laughs> we needed roads. It's it's on Spotify and I think um, a couple other sources. I should know better, but I'm I'm new, I'm new <laughs> on there. Yeah, no, no. I remember. I I know when we met up to discuss this episode too. We were talking about uh, how Scream is basically every movie is very much. Oh, there's a killer. Who is it? Let's narrow it. Like it's very, the plot is essentially the same in every movie. They don't take, they don't take as overtly huge swings as something like the X-Men franchise, for example. Oh, so I think definitely, it's definitely. Take, and it yeah. just, what it does, it adjusts to the times. Like uh, at first it, t- it would take the tropes that uh, the early seventies and eighties and not maybe early nineties. And then it adjusted in the 2010s. It like it paid homage to all the remakes, so it was really, really an interesting franchise to look at all at once. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's funny that you mentioned the remake because that was the fourth installment. I have sort of a a running theory that whenever a franchise gets to their fourth installment, that's when crazy things happen, uh, as we'll get into because this is the fourth installment mm. of the X-Men franchise. So, oh, segue. Right. What is your what is your history? with the X-Men as characters, I guess, and then your introduction to the films. Well, I grew up in the 90s, so I think the most obvious connection was the cartoon series. Uh, I was a big fan as a child, and I never really read the comic books. Uh, So it was just a very superficial thing for me. Uh, Ironically, though, I was a big fan of going to the bookstore. And in 2001, the actual origin to Wolverine was put into a comic series. I don't know if it's a graphic novel or if it's still just a collection of comics, but they, they had the X-Men, you know, they, they revealed his true origin, what's based off of the movies based off of. Right. And of all the things I've read in comics, that was one of the few that I read. So I have like a weird coincidence that of the, all the X-Men characters, this is probably one that I know more than a lot of them. But I know Wolverine's a very popular character in general, but I I just found it interesting that they had an origin story for him because a lot of them were already told for other characters. Yeah, you've been training your whole life for this episode is what I'm hearing. (laughs) I think think you're right. The stars aligned for me to just be ready for the origins movie. So then when the movies started coming out in 2000, obviously... Uh, when people will he will hear this, we will I will have already talked about the entire original trilogy mm-hmm. of the this franchise. When those came out in two thousand, were you a big fan of the the trilogy that preceded this movie? You know, again, I I enjoyed the movies. I wasn't a huge X Men fan, so so to speak. I I really I think it really falls back to I think I just enjoy movies, and these were really fun. So essentially, yes, I I enjoyed the movies, but I didn't have a lot of investment in them. But then, yeah, just a quick nod, X-Men The Last Stand, uh, I I wasn't a big fan of. So Mm -hmm. that was probably the first time I was like a little let down because from the cartoons, 
I had seen what the Phoenix situation was. And then I saw the movie and I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I think that was a set, you know, like a little toss up to uh, get me ready for, for Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, and it's so funny too, because the Dark Phoenix saga, a story that they will, in the eyes of most fans, screw up twice in this yes, in, the, yes. in, the, in the in this run of movies uh yeah i i i i'm a mild d- defender of the last stand like i think i don't i don't think it's a good movie but like there's stuff in it oh yeah yeah there's stuff in this one as well which we'll get into like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the thing almost none of these 10 movies are like are unwatchable like even the bad ones Mm-hmm. How, how, mm-hmm. Like there are characters that are interesting or performances or like it makes a crazy decision to take the story in this direction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciate that. I think what was crazy uh, for this franchise, as we were saying with the fourth installment after last stand seemingly teased a, a, a development that I guess nobody really cared to see because that movie ends hinting that the cure uh, it wears off that Magneto's presumably going to get his powers back at some point mm-hmm. that professor X transferred his consciousness into uh, an unconscious body of uh, who was later, I guess going to be, re- be revealed to be his identical twin. Mm-hmm. There, <laughs> there was all this stuff that yes. maybe was going to happen. And then I think Fox was like, nah, let's just let's, let's backtrack a little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, it makes sense if they were going to do a, a spinoff movie to do it on Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess my first question going into the X-Men origins Wolverine proper is, is this movie, I, this is always a loaded question when people ask this, but <laughs> is this a move? Was this movie really necessary? Like, did we need this movie? Because the first two X-Men movies, an entire subplot is devoted to who Wolverine is, mm-hmm. what Wolverine went through, who was responsible, you know, all of that. So how much of, how much, how many answers did this movie really need to provide? Was it a mistake to go down this, this road, I guess? I'm going to say the simple answer. I understand where they were coming from. Yeah. Because Logan is a, a very, like Wolverine is a very popular character and B, from the comic series that I saw of his origin story, the story was interesting. Now, did they execute the movie well? I think, as we all know, they did not execute the movie well. And that's, I think, the more important questions, like what happened? Um, so, so honestly, I think all movies, they're made to be, they're made to be make money. They're, like, I hate the term cash grab because all movies are made to make money. You know, even Oscar bait movies, uh, like people are being paid, <laughs> you know, big, they're usually big budget dramas, you know, uh, so they're, they make money. Yeah. They're for Oscar bait, but they still are made to make money. So did it need to be made? I, I think, I think the, at, at the heart of it, it could have been good. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been so much better. Uh, it's just that, you know, I, I look back at it. I watched it again and on paper, a lot of this stuff seemed really great, but it was all in the execution. That's 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 a simple answer. It's interesting to look at the development of this movie because I think it was a somewhat affected by the writer's strike that happened like a year or two before as this was kind of making its way through development. Yep. I, I, I love the idea of 
X-Men Origins as sort of a subset of this franchise because that was the idea. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be X-Men Origins Wolverine and then, you know, the next one up was X-Men Origins Magneto, which as if anybody had seen First Class, it's pretty obvious that started as a Magneto movie, mm-hmm. uh, which people will hear us talk about next episode. I think part of it is they started with good intentions to to have this be the first in a series of spin-off movies. Mm-hmm. And then just along the way, I think Gavin Hood, the director of this, he's he's even said he's not much of a comic book fan. I think you can kind of tell that here. Very and much so. Also, there. this coming out. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was sorry. I just <laughs> I had to repeat myself. It's very obvious he's not a comic book fan. Right. And this coming out right a year after Iron Man and the beginning of the MCU. You can tell that Fox was like, all right, well, how do we lay the groundwork for a bunch of other stuff to come next? Uh, and I think this was them sort of, you know, I think their eyes were bigger than, the, bigger than their stomach, so to speak, here, where they were like, we're going to do all of this cool stuff. You'll see. You know, it, it was kind of viewed as, I think, a springboard for other things. Like they yes. could have done a Sabretooth movie. They could have done... A Deadpool movie, which they do eventually, but in a very different form. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even a post-credits uh, scene where Deadpool's severed head is like his opens eyes his open. eyes. Yeah, opens his eyes like shh, like you didn't yeah. see this. So yeah, go ahead. No, that was just a great. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. And I, 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 so I like what they were going for. I just think it just along the way it went from a Wolverine movie to an ensemble film. And I feel like that's where they started to, they started, it started to weigh on the story that they initially had in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so many things. It, it really just like, from my perspective, I know probably a little more about X-Men than, than the average person in general. So it, it almost seems like they, they took things that oh here's stuff that most people will know, but then put it in the context of this is this is not how it works, <laughs> you know. It just they're they're just throwing things to make it cool. I, I mean I hate to be mean, but it just seems like a teenage kid had a huge budget and he decided to make the movie in in a way that he thought it'd be cool. You know, that's yeah. how it feels to watch this movie. It's like you got the elements of the X Men, you got things that are kind of cool on on the surface, but then when you put it in the movie. It just doesn't work. It's also, I think, the be- the beginning of the end of this franchise really caring about continuity at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like here, I think you can almost, if you like stare at it and squint a little, you could be like, does it match up? Uh, close enough. But like by the <laughs> next one, they're like, no, nah, we don't. We're, we're over that. We're, we're yeah. like, The next one is just a straight reboot, essentially, or at least starts that way. It's yes, yeah. It starts as a reboot. Very strange. And then it double backs with the Wolverine, and then X Men: Days of Future Past was like, well, let's try to mesh them in there. It won't make sense, but the, we're gonna just reset it anyways, sort of. Oh, never mind. There's X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like literally looking at the the timeline of everything. And I'm like, man, I know. They, they just they <laughs> they thought about it, then they back backed up, then they did it, and then no, no, we're doing it again. And, you know, it's it's almost like there was, like, dueling executives trying to be like, no, we're going to make it. No, we're going to keep it. We're going to leave it. It's just, it's it's weird. Are you familiar with the um, the El Mariachi trilogy? El Mariachi, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico? 
you know what? Yes, I was a huge fan yeah. of Desperado, and I don't remember the circumstances, but I watched El Mariachi, and it was awesome to see like the low budget version that led up to it. And then uh, I think I did watch what was the third one? Once upon a time in Mexico. Once upon a time in Mexico, and I was like, "All right, that one's fine." Johnny Depp's blind <laughs> at the end. Yeah, but it it was really interesting to see that prog- pro- progression. Uh, how, so, w- what makes you bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, the reason I bring it up is that this is also the beginning. In addition to the fourth X Men movie, this is the beginning of a very strange. Wolverine trilogy. I think it sort of functions in a similar way to the El Mariachi trilogy, where all three of those movies are about the same character, but also all three of those movies sort of work independently and almost have nothing to do with each other at the same time. Wow, that is absolutely correct. Isn't that crazy? That is that is so true. That is that, so freaking true. This That's... Wolverine trilogy, we get literally from like little boy Logan all the way to spoilers for Logan. Logan's death. And uh, and yet, though Wolverine makes almost no reference to this, Logan makes almost no references to the previous movies. It's just kind of its own beast. And I find yeah. that fascinating that these El Mariachi and Wolverine, I guess sort of like, uh, you know, the man with no name and the, the dollar. Oh, story. yeah. It's That's just kind of like, too. this guy's just wandering around having adventures. They're sort of loosely tied, but don't worry about it. Well, then if you want to do that, then the James Bond series up That's until true. Daniel Craig, I think Daniel Craig's run is the only one that really had some cohesion to it. Otherwise, all these ex, all these, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up trilogies or series. Otherwise, James Bond, every movie was independent of its own. Pretty much. I mean, there were recurring characters here and there, but yeah, the mm-hmm. adventures were disconnected. Yeah. And I, I kind of admire that approach to a degree, especially in a franchise that pretty soon, pretty soon in disregards, you know, keeping a, a timeline that makes any sort of sense where James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender look the same for like 40 years as they jump time <laughs> from the sixties yeah. to like the nineties. And I'm like, but you still look like you're like 35. So what's right? up with that? I, I like, I love that approach. And I love that mm-hmm. this movie was very inspired by Wolverine's, I guess one of his most famous lines, which is, uh, I'm the best at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Like, I love that. That's the place that they're coming from. Yeah. And I feel like they kind of nailed that in parts of this movie. How well do you think this captures that Wolverine is supposed to be this, that dangerous and that dark of a character? Cause I think it's it just shades of it early on. I'd say, you know, as, as a whole, it, it shows it pretty well, but he's just, it's it's a weird it's it's so hard to explain because it's not the arc itself is it, it makes sense like again on paper the arc itself makes sense in the script but the way they execute the movie it's a little up and down i don't know i guess cuz you know what it is is they show him being a warrior like fighting through the wars with uh his brother but they make that so fast and then he turns to good right almost within 15 minutes of the movie starting and so the, I don't think they really established just how bad of a guy he was. And he most of the time, like most of the movies, him just re- being reluctant until like maybe the last half hour again. So at, at, which, at which point the character he's going after is way more irredeemable than he is. So correct. like, yeah, it's fine. You're all, you're yeah, all you're, you're like, clear. 
hey, this is reasonable. You want to kill him because he's a bad dude. Yeah. So it's it, it's again it's a it's the execution where I'm like, yes, they did it, but not in the best way. It didn't really portray him like that. You know, they just showed him in a lot of wars because he lives a long time. You know, right. Which I love. I love that. That's such a key part of this character mm-hmm. that he's lived that that they, there's a line in the original film where Gene Gray is like his healing factor makes him, you know, his age impossible to determine. He could even be older than you, professor. And we see in this movie, <laughs> Oh, he's older than, than professor X. Like he's been around since like, yeah. it starts in 1845, the, the prologue uh, where yeah. he's like, I guess like 10 or 12 years old, which we already know that's around the time your mutation comes on. And, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that opening because not only do we get little James, James Howlett, the, I don't know, I think he's the third, who ends up oh. killing his real father and revealing his bone claws, but then you get the, the montage through the wars. And I, I feel like, and we've, told, we've sort of mentioned this briefly uh, off air before, that should have been the movie. Like if, if they were making this now, that prologue would have been this movie. Do you agree? Yes, I agree 100%. Because rewatching it, the intro, just showing him as a child was so rushed. And I'm like, let's, it would have been great to let it flush out, you know, maybe even allude more to his, his mom cheating. You know, it could have been easily a 20, 30 minutes scenario. I mean, maybe not 20, 30, but like it could have fleshed out a little more to where yeah. you, you, you see indications of his wife. Um, cheating on him and then like but like also the guy, the guy who was, was his father should have been more of a drunk and in the movie they almost almost painted him as just a decent guy who just happened to be cheating on you know the, you know the guy who worked for him right um, but then the wars yeah I think I think it would have been a great idea to follow him through the wars seeing him connect with people and then ha- seeing them die and then maybe just like the last half hour being a, turned into uh, the weapon X and then him escaping from the facility and leaving. I think yeah. that would have been awesome just to have it end with that, you know? Yeah. What if like that, the final frame of this movie were that famous, like him waking up in the, in the tank and like rah, roaring into camera cut to black. Hell yeah. If it done right, I would have been <laughs> awesome. Well, and I think, I think what happened is that they, Fox was so scared of, having this character be that, go that dark, be that un, you know, seemingly unlikable. And, you know, this is again, coming out the year after Iron Man and the Dark Knight. Like you, I don't think they were willing to go that route with well, that, which especially, let alone, not even in, in, in R-rated, let alone PG-13. I don't think they were willing to risk that. They think that that was probably considered a unmarketable approach. I think to with the, the first three movies, they were just a little more lighthearted. They even included... I'm the juggernaut bitch <laughs> Yeah. in, in the third one. So they were definitely listening to their viewers, but like in a lot more lighthearted tone. So to create Wolverine and not paint it as dark as possible, it was a bit of a failure, you know? And I think that's why Deadpool is so good because it, it allowed itself to go R and really play true to the character the second time. <laughs> right. Not, not this Deadpool. I'm glad you specified that. I was going to be like, yeah. Yes, yes. I don't know so much. I had to, I had to correct it mid-sentence. But yeah, I th- I think that I I think another big factor you mentioned earlier was the writer strike. They really just didn't have the ability to create a better story. Uh they just kind of put together what they could with pop culture references and then let her go, you know. 
they were so focused on having every single X-Men movie be a team film that like that's the first whiff of of trouble I get when I watch this movie, even upon rewatch. All that stuff happens. Little little Logan runs out of the house. Uh, they establish the relationship with Sabretooth, again, which is not mentioned at all in the first movie. I mean, uh, people like us that watch the animated series and are at least familiar with the comic book depiction of these characters know that there there's a much closer familial sort of bond almost. There's like a, an intense rivalry between those characters. And the first movie, it, it, Sabretooth, is, Sabretooth is, is completely... I don't know if he's unaware, like he, 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 there's a sense of recognition on him that he understands, like he feels a connection to Wolverine because he grabs the dog tags, but like, there's nothing explicit about that, that connection. And so they finally established that here. But then once they, after the, the wars and then Stryker comes in and is like, we're putting together a special team. I was like, but why, <laughs> why is this where we're going? These two guys are way more interesting than uh, Will I Am and uh, <laughs> Dominic Ma- not not shading Will I Am, but his character is not very well developed. Mm-hmm. I forget his character's name right now off the top of my head. John something I think is this is John Wraith. Yes, Wraith. There you go. Wraith. So Who? you get him and jo- Dominic Monaghan and uh, I don't know. Yeah, they they are an unnecessary plot line. Another. The- Honestly. They're cannon fodder, is what they are. They're just Correct. there for Victor to go around killing them. We get very little time with any of them, really. I, I think, and and when we do, it's not particularly deep or interesting. Uh, even the thing with the blob, correct? It's so ham-fisted when Hugh Jackman's Wolverine meets up with him much later after he's developed an eating disorder, and I'm like, this is where we're going with it. He's just like, hey, I'm just trying to talk to you, bub. And he's like, Are you did you just call me blob? And I was like, in what way? He's like, yeah. what makes that moment, what what almost makes that moment fun for me is the way you Jackman's Wolverine reacts. He's like, no, like that doesn't even sound like nah, I'm I'm reacting the same way he is. <laughs> it's yeah, that that those supporting players, I wouldn't I don't know. I, thoughts on those guys because there's not a whole lot to say about them. No, I'm I'm in the same boat. It really was un, like it's unfortunate because some of these actors were really great. Yeah, even Ryan Reynolds went on 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 record saying that he knew that his character was not going the direction that should have gone, but they were threatening him it's like, "Do you want to be in the movie or do you not want to be in the movie?" So I think like all of them, they wanted a job, so they they had to just play along. I the only one that really makes an impression, ironically is uh, Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson because oh, that yeah. that that opening part like that easily could have been a pre-costume Deadpool like that's have him at some point you know develop the mutant ability and and suit up and then you there you go like you're good to go pretty much yeah it was perfect it, yeah it was perfect for for like 5 minutes it was perfect and well, then it, I it think got that's, really sad. that uh, that's what made fans want him to come back yeah they knew that was the role he was made for and then when that leak came out for deadpool the test footage we knew it, there was no other one there was no other actor and that's how that's how they were just like yeah honestly yeah brian reynolds wade wilson like leave schreiber as Sabretooth, not bad but it really was a pullback to the first x-men movie because that one i think of, of the things that x-men one did really well 
you know, straying away from the, the costumes. That original Sabretooth was pretty good. Maybe a little dumber than I would have liked. Yeah. He, he seemed a little too much more of like a controllable beast than someone right. with some intelligence at least. But uh, yeah, and the blob, Kevin Durand is his name. Great. And then one thing I wanted to add, Cyclops, I was like, oh, this is this is a great looking dude. I was wondering if they were going to probably use him more. It turns out he's just an actor from Australia. And I was like, well, that's weird. He's an Australian actor. Um, okay. But then it turns out they filmed mostly in Australia. So he was probably local to the area. So I, I don't think they were really even planning long term with his character there. I thought they were just making it part of another cameo, which is it just comes to show that they weren't really thinking long term with these characters. They were planting lots of seeds for where they could go next. But yes. Yeah, it's it's again, it's like just too much sort of thrown on the screen at the same time. We meet we meet like five of these supporting mutants within like two minutes of each other on that on that what is it a helicopter or, or a plane or whatever they're on and they oh it's a private have, jet yeah it's it's very Suicide Squad esque like in the in the first Suicide Squad movie You're right like, this is yeah. Katana. Her sword traps the souls of its victims like it's like random exposition like this is who everybody <laughs> yeah. is I'm like okay. Oh yeah, it's 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 just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Lee Schreiber though, because I do I I I didn't mind the design of Sabretooth in the original movie, but Tyler Maine is a wrestler, not really an actor, so they weren't really you know mm, bringing him okay. in to bring that gravitas. I I do like what Lee Schreiber did here. I, I think he does try and sort of match Hugh Jackman's uh, intensity. He's got that sort of steely. Uh, kind of ferocious oh, yeah. vibe going like down pat, and so it, it's a bummer that he's in this movie because I think that performance that's a pretty good casting decision. If you're going to get someone to be like dark version of Wolverine, I think he, he does a pretty solid job here. I agree, he did a great performance for what it was, honestly. Right. Um, and I love that the movie sort of leans into uh, Sabretooth as almost kind of a universal monster at times. Like the way he he hunts down mm-hmm. the other team members. There's a moment where he goes to see, oh God, I can't remember his name. The Dominic Monaghan character. Oh, the guy uh, Bradley. It, it's yeah. very plain names. There's no code names that are interesting for those guys. So don't worry. No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm sure there's some comic book version of it. But yeah, again, it, they're not in this enough for me to really make the effort, to be honest with you. But he he's like he enters Bradley's like uh, doorway and he says, "Aren't you going to invite me in?" Which is very very much sort of a vampire, yes, rule. And so I love that. There's moments where this where this move that this movie nails him sitting at the bar and sort of like scratching onto the on the counter, just like waiting for for like he. There's moments where he's depicted as like a part vampire, part werewolf, and I, and I love that that. Uh, Gavin Hood, I guess, at least has that aesthetic sort of in the mix, which I think is. No, a smart I actually move. thought the 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 teeth he used were really nice. Uh, they weren't overtly long, and they were mm-hmm. pretty subtle, honestly, for what it could have been, especially compared to the nails. But I thought the fact that the nails retracted and extended was a good touch. Yeah, the the nails that uh, Wade calls says you know he calls him he has the, the nails of a bag lady, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Obviously, we mentioned Ryan Ryan Reynolds here, like full on Van Wilder mode here, and mm-hmm. like you know, planting the seeds for what we'll get 
many years down the road. But yeah, yeah. I, one thing that I noticed about this movie that I think stands out more because of things like Solo is that it feels the need to establish the origins of everything. And I feel like it's so ham-handed with that. Uh, how do yes. you feel like it handles... Obviously, if you're going to tell the Wolverine origin story, you're going to explain how we got those how we got those claws. We establish in this movie he's got the bone claws, and then I guess the adamantium's just sort of laid over that. Does this film do a decent enough job sort of establishing the story behind the adamantium claws? And or or does it, you know, does it not give enough information for really making it such a focus? No, as far as I know with comic books, and they, they, again, they, they the ideas were there because they they were talking with the generals. They even explained that Weapon X is not just the letter; it's actually the tenth attempt. Um, that is actually, I believe, pretty accurate. And the uh, whole idea of it was really well laid out. It's just either rushed or kind of just layered in a different way. But I think oh, what, what was I going to say? You explained it pretty well earlier. <laughs> Oh man, I just blanked in the middle of talking. It happens. Because magic I was, of editing, it's all good. Yes, I think you. you ex- what was I going to say? Because you're asking, does it do a good jo- job of explaining the origin? Oh, that's what it was. You said it earlier that the first two movies laid the groundwork pretty well, and they explained a lot already. And then this movie kind of filled in the few details that it needed. But like I said earlier, it could have focused more on the wars that he fought and him being a, 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 a soldier. And then it could have just ended with him being fused with the adamantium. And then the movie ends when he escapes. I yeah. think that that could have easily just been the movie. I think narratively speaking, the big issue, one of my biggest disappointments with this movie is that he they establish it in X2 that he volunteers for the program, which he does, mm-hmm. but he does so because he's manipulated to doing so. So you're taking the agency away from our lead character. So it's, it's not that he, he chose to get the adamantium clause or to get the adamantium through his skeleton. He is manipulated and tricked into doing so just so that he can, you know, he could be the, uh, the experiment and, yes. and like the test subject for Weapon 11, which is the ill-fated <laughs> Deadpool <laughs> hybrid situation that we get later on. And I think that's that's part of why it makes it makes all of it feel kind of pointless. It's like it was all just a scheme. They were all like he, he, the fact that Silver Fox, Kayla, was, was in on it. All of that, it just feels very unsatisfying because it's, it's like pull, pulling one all over on the audience – but but not in a way that like is a fun twist more in that it's just like I don't know it's, it feels like it's, more of a letdown. It's frustrating, honestly. Yeah, it's just like like I it, it's like the idea is great. Let's let, but it, he no actually no it's not. It, it is frustrating that like they tell you he volunteered again. I think it would have been fun to see him go on missions and and try to be reluctant at first, but like then tap into that animalistic side and then. But then again, I think it would have been in our movie in a time that no one wanted to risk right. our movies, R-rated movies. So yeah, I, th- I think looking back, it's a lot easier to see what what they were doing and say, why didn't you fix it? But again, I think it was all 
a lot of layers to it. The the writer strike, the tone wasn't really that in that direction. And honestly, the the the, the what was it? What, oh, what is this? Um, Fox. It's a Fox. Yeah. So Fox just wasn't really making the most cohesive movies in terms of X Men. So they were they were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. I feel like almost. My whole thing is if they were going to have him like, I, I feel like instantly if you have Sabretooth just really going dark, not being striker's pawn, just try oh, yeah. have that be Sabretooth's own thing that he's motivated to do for his own reasons, which we can find out or not find out. I don't really care about that part of it. And then have it be a mission of, of vengeance on the pat on the fact of Wolverine and just, instantly this is already like a half star better of a movie than it is <laughs> just with that change. Just so there's not like this, there's not a conspiracy to get Logan in that tank. It's actually, he has a valid reason for doing so. Cause he wants the, the power in order to, uh, to go after saber to then one thing that I noted, that's really funny people in this movie. I feel like it's Logan and, and, uh, and Victor for the most part, are constantly threatening to cut other people's heads off. Do you notice that? I feel like it happens like four times. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to kill right. you. Like, oh, you're going to kill me? Like, I'm going to cut your head off. See how that, see if that works. Like always, like so much. I'm like, Jesus, just get it over with guys. I, you know what? Yeah. I think it's part of the, it's just the writing. I think these guys are like, well, how do you kill a guy who's indestructible? <laughs> oh, let's cut his head off. And I, or, I think, or, or a literal silver bullet, which is kind of what oh, it almost happens at the end. <laughs> I mean, the the premise of like shooting him in the head so he forgets things. Okay, I can kind of take that. But then you realize, if 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 he heals, he heals his his flesh and bones. But his bone now is made of adamantium. We don't know him to have two bullet holes in his skull. You know, like his adamantium skull. That's yeah. like a nitpicky thing. But I'm like, he doesn't have two adamantium holes in his head. Like, how do you explain that away? Like, he can't grow adamantium. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, ugh. That's that's where more of my movie side comes out. It's like it's not about the plot or the characters. It's more of like this doesn't make sense in the movie. Yeah, you know that's that's really that's where a lot a lot of the the frustration for me on this movie is not necessarily X Men related or you know like it's continuity related and it's like stupid ideas related. You know, where you could tell that they were just trying stuff that were X Men related, but they weren't really thinking it through the whole way. Like in the scene where Gambit came in, like I was just about to bring up Gambit. Good timing. Yeah, it's it's where like he follows. He's he thinks he's going to be taken away. He throws him out the the building, but then he follows him out the building. <laughs> he yes. gets knocked out, and then you know Hugh Jackman and Liv Schreiber are fighting. But then suddenly he's on the roof, running back and jumping down. And I'm like, did he transport himself to the roof and then run back to 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 enter the fight again? It was just such ridiculous editing. I'm like, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, the fact that he is like follows Wolverine out, like he's like, no, I'm not interested. Get out of here. And then he's like, no, wait a minute, I have to fight you first before you go. It's so it's so <laughs> yeah. weird. Uh, what do you think of Taylor Kitsch as Gambit here? Because this is a guy who uh, was almost almost had a franchise in I think Battleship, almost had a franchise in John Carter, almost had a, a franchise in the like he has had so many almost 
A-list uh, stardom moments and then fizzled out one after another. There's not a whole lot I can say to him in this performance specifically. Yeah. Uh, the only one that's probably the most obvious is he doesn't have a Creole accent. Right. Although it's very hard from what I've heard to, to do a Creole accent. I won't try it here. <laughs> but as, as the limited amount of time that he had as Gambit, I think as a character, he could have been anyone really. He didn't yeah. really like, like his powers weren't even that exact to, to Gambit. I, I mean, as far as I know, he can't make cards levitate in the comic books. Um, the, the power, the transfer of energy powers were fine, but um, I don't think it was a Gambit character that, to be honest, like he was just someone who had powers that seemed interesting, but uh, Taylor Kish, I think, honestly, I watched John Carter with Mars. I think he just picks movie franchises. I watched Battleship. I'm actually a big fan of Battleship. It was just a fun movie to watch. Hmm. He just I, he just seems to pick movies that don't end up doing well, which it really sucks for him because I don't yeah. have anything against him. I don't know of any background on him in the real life. Like I don't know if he's a trouble to to be around on set. I don't know if he's great on set. I just know that he just seems to pick franchises that are big and then he's whiffing bad, you know, big swing and a miss. It's so. also as as a fan of the 90s animated show like having Gambit in this franchise at like what 30 or whatever he is mid 20s in like ni- in 1985 or whenever this is supposed to be set you're like, "Oh, well we're never getting that that animated series lineup because then Gambit would be like 50 or something by the time you get to 2000 something he would be like in his in middle aged yeah I, it's easy to imagine that had they been able to do the Channing Tatum Gambit movie that was in development for so long that they would have just been like oh that wasn't that wasn't Gambit that was another guy named Remy LeBeau because they tried that crap in this movie Kayla <laughs> has a sister who who makes who has a diamond skin form credited mm-hmm. as Emma and they're like no no that's not Emma Frost that's somebody else I'm like are you really that's another Emma yes. blonde name a blonde girl named Emma who goes diamond skinned that's a different one <laughs> because in first class they oh. introduce proper Emma Frost um so it's, I can imagine them just that's that's when they confirmed they didn't care about timelines yes like, X-Men Origins was like, well, we're going to play with things a little. And then First Class is like, yeah, we're going to keep it going with it and just not care. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, Emma Frost, two appearances, and she's actually older in the in the appearance that it's farther back in time. Right. It's ridiculous, yeah. Very strange. Uh, let's see. There's not a lot of – I feel like we hit a lot of the story beats that are in this movie because there's not a lot of story in this <laughs> no, there movie. No, there isn't. <laughs> um, we already, you already mentioned Cyclops. It's just like towards the end of the movie, they're rounding up mutants. I thought that was – I honestly – I thought that when they announced First Class after this movie, I thought it was going to be a continuation of the end of this movie with Professor X and uh, Cyclops and – and all of that kind of which which is sort of what apocalypse is and dark phoenix it picks yes. up with that group yeah so they did not go that route uh because time travel stuff uh, happened and uh, a lot oh, of yeah. a lot of things got rejiggered in that let's see uh i i do like that gavin hood originally apparently wanted 
Logan to be suffering from PTSD in this movie, uh, which you get like a moment of that. Yeah. With when Kayla. He wakes up. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I think that would have made so much sense. How do you fight that many wars and not deal with PTSD? A hundred percent. That's so Yeah. Cause it's not about being injured. It's not just about uh, loud noises. It's about experiencing it and seeing others around you suffering it's so much more, and I, I I feel like again that indicates that there was a lot of studio um, involvement to mess up this movie. But again, I think it's also the the writer strike. Like so much stuff came out after the writer strike that w- just went downhill. It's unfortunate. <laughs> that could be a whole other conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, right now they're in the middle of another writer as of this recording. Writer strike, actor strike. Actor strike. Uh, we'll see how that how that starts to impact things as it continues. Yeah, if it continues. But yeah, apparently Fox said no, and it's funny because what you were just saying about how that weighs on him and and everything. That's what the Wolverine is about. Like that's mm. literally what the Wolverine is about. The Wolver- yeah. the story of the Wolverine is. I've lived a long time. I've seen a lot of bad things. I've done a lot of bad things. I've lost people I care about. Can I die now, please? That's what the Wolverine <laughs> is about. <laughs> so it's hilarious that this movie gets so much crap. And I think a lot of it is sort of piled onto Gavin Hood because he hasn't done a lot of this kind of thing because, you know, uh, he's his track record with blockbusters is spotty at best. Mm-hmm. And I found out he, he directed Ender's Game after this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, I think when you're not connected to the source material as much, it really makes a difference in terms of how much you can enjoy this movie. Right. Cause like I tried to look at it from the perspective of like, Oh, th- let's pretend we don't know anything about the X-Men. It still wasn't the greatest, but Ender's game actually was pretty good as someone who doesn't know the source material. Yeah. I thought it, it but I, again, I think it's a lot of, of the timing of everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But unfortunately there's no, as far as I can tell, there's no hood cut. There's no release the hood cut. Uh, of this movie because I don't think they I just think they didn't shoot that stuff. No, definitely. But it's not. like a lot of like the best idea for a Wolverine movie. It, what he wanted to put in this movie and uh, it ended up happening later on. Uh, I I do. Any thoughts on Lynn Collins as Kayla, who is I guess to, to you know Silver Fox is supposed to be a Native American character. Lynn Collins. Claims Native American ancestry, I, I, oh, whether wow. that's substantiated or not. I mean, she she claims at least in part. I think I don't have them. I don't have it written. Was written there some controversy? Yet. Was there a controversy with her character being of Native American descent and her not being? I think and there was a little bit, but this was this was before Twitter had really taken hold of the discourse in the same gotcha. way. If it happened now, that would have been a much bigger deal, I'm sure. I, I so, think yeah. for the most part. You know, she was a standard cookie cutter love interest that yeah. faked no, not knowing anything. And of the little bit that they used of her, I think it was interesting when near the end of the movie, she tried to affect Sabretooth. And he's like, you don't affect me that or it doesn't work on me. And then that means it also probably didn't work on Wolverine. So, you know, for a fact that he really did care for her. He wasn't tricked. So I thought that was a nice one of the few things that really worked out with what little they gave her. But yeah, they, there just wasn't a lot of her. It was just a nice little, oh, hey, this is going to be the reason that you're going to be angry and try to kill Sabretooth. Right. Yeah. It, they just didn't give her a lot to work with. I have I nothing against her. 
No, no, she's she's totally she's fine in this. That's the thing in this in this movie. None of these performances. Uh, we were mentioned already mentioned Lee Schreiber. Danny Houston is striker. He's solid. Like none of these people are doing oh, yeah. bad work. Uh, it's just the material is, meh. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's not it's lacking. It's not for lack of trying. So yeah, no no shade to Lynn Collins. I I don't that character's in here to give him a reason to call himself Wolverine. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, story. the story about the moon and her lover and all that. Oh yeah, again, pretty pretty hard hitting. Like they really forcing that in there, and the editing was so bad they just. Literally, like I was watching it, and then like they were out in the woods d- driving home, and then next thing you know, hey, do you know this story? And I'm like, <laughs> there's no lead up. It's just so like harsh cutting, and it's like, like just, you know, like, they don't pretend to be at dinner, you know, talking, and yeah. then oh, by the way, did you know this story about the? No, they just boom, story of the moon. <laughs> it's, it's like you, it almost cut over, and she's reading the script for X Men Origins Wolverine. She's like. Oh yeah! Hey, did you know that the looking, the, glancing back and forth at it while she's yeah. talking to Logan? Uh, did you know that the moon had a lover? <laughs> yeah, that whole thing it establishes his his pa- pattern of falling in love with women who die in his arms. Yeah, uh, you know that that's very, I, I think, a pretty obvious callback to the Last Stand when he's holding Kayla. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, like to what happens with Jean yeah. Grey. I mean, even the blocking, they could have had yeah. him like, but let's say they had dinner. It's a somber moment. Then he walks outside. It's at night. And he could have been looking at the moon. And maybe that's how she gets introduced to, to the story, you know? And they really, again, the elements were there, but they were, the execution was horrible. Yes. It's, it's like, and I, it's again, not the actors, not the performances. It's just the writing and the editing. It's like, come on, guys. I, I really feel bad shitting on this movie because it could have <laughs> been so much better. Yeah. No, and then it's a movie that's like seemingly self-congratulatory where you have that CG shot of the dog tag stamping to Wolverine. Oh. On, and we're like, we get it. His name is Wolverine. You know, it's like it's yeah. like the solo thing where they're like, oh, you're here by yourself? Solo. Solo. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, it was, there were literally shots where I'm like, this was just made for the trailer or for the yes. commercials. This does not help at all. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it was just frustrating, I think, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, we sort of mentioned Weapon 11, which is supposed to be sort of a... It seemed to me that it felt like that character was supposed to have sort of a Darth Maul-esque reveal when the doors open mm-hmm. and he's standing there. And we're supposed to say, oh, wow, you're in trouble now. That was actually a good comparison. I like that. Yeah, thank you. But... God, what a what a hack job of a character! Literally, <laughs> literally. every time I watch, I'm like, "But well, why would you do this? Why?" Like, I understand you have to build up to some big villain in this movie, and I guess they they want to have Logan and Victor fighting side by side. But it would have been so much more interesting if it was Logan versus Victor in that final battle. We don't need yeah. this third party thrown in there. Yeah. I mean, even having it on Three Mile Island and uh, destroying it and then having like knowing that, oh, hey, for those of us who were alive, we know that there was a big issue on Three Mile Island where things went to shit. And wow, okay, that's kind of a good idea where that was, they tried to play off of, oh, this is what really happened. But again, the execution, like why would you climb to the top of one of those uh, steam things to fight a guy who seems to be really good at what he does too? 
You know, it's like instead stay on land, you know, <laughs> like the idea of his head being chopped off and lasering that thing. So it destroys. Okay. That's not a bad idea, but maybe figure out a different way to get up there or a different way to, yeah. to destroy everything. Right. I, I mean, like uh, elements, elements are so good, but just the way they come together, not good, not good. It's worth pointing out that Scott Adkins is like an, an action star in his own right is plays that character in that final battle sequence. So like the stunt work, at least on his end is, is definitely really solid. So oh, yeah. giving him a little, a little, a little nod there. Scott Adkins who's I guess, most recently in John Wick chapter four. Oh, what yeah. did he play? He was the, he was wearing prosthetics for this, but he was the, the big, uh, the like heavy set crime boss that uh no way okay. yeah the donnie yen and keanu wow. and yeah everybody goes to yeah because i one thing i did learn about scott atkins during the filming of origins he was so good at what he did that when he put on the mask to make it look like he was deadpool just that little difference actually threw him off and he had to recalibrate that's how well honed his body was isn't that crazy that is crazy yeah yeah fun fact <laughs> Get Scott Atkins in one of these X-Men movies. I don't know. Throw him oh. in there. Like, ask Scott Atkins. Like, not not stunt doubling other actors. Let's see. Uh, we haven't mentioned, we mentioned a lot of the performances. We haven't mentioned that regardless of all the stuff negative we've said about this movie, and we will say a, a few more before we start winding down. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is, of course, as great as Wolverine. Like, oh. he's the, he's the he's- number one reason why you should even bother watching this movie because he comes to, like fully committed regardless of the material. And I think it, it shines through. Oh yeah. I mean, so I watched the extra features like I normally do. And apparently this was the first movie he really blew like bulk up. Well, this is the first, <laughs> this is the first movie where he really bulked up. He, he was in the commentaries talking about, well, not commentary. He was in the extra features talking about how in the previous three he had he had exercised and he was in good shape but for this one because it was he was the focus of the movie more so than the other ones he really wanted to make an effort to to bulk up to make it look like he was an animal yeah. he wanted veins he wanted sheer size and so we kind of forget that it wasn't common in the first three for him to be huge and muscular but after this it was kind of the set standard yeah i think i think this is really what kind of also uh, allowed a lot of other actors to, well, maybe not allowed this pressured other actors <laughs> to bulk up for their roles. Like I feel like Superman, uh, J- Henry Cavill, Henry. Yeah. Okay. I w- I think Henry Cavill wouldn't have probably gotten quite as big if, if it wasn't for Hugh Jackman starting this trend of being massive for their roles. No, that's a good point. And it's funny too, because that was sort of the thing in the eighties when you had Arnold and Stallone, yeah. and everybody was super bulky, muscular bodybuilders, veins popping out everywhere. And then in the nineties, it sort of transitioned into, Oh, you know, the, the diehard model, the, yes. uh, the every man is like stuck in an, in an impossible situation. How's he going to get out of it kind of thing. And now we've sort of, I, I think you're, you're dead on right there. I think, in part because of you, Jackman's Wolverine, we've sort of the pendulum has swung, swung back now where now every Marvel actor is working out for six months to get that superhero physique. Gosh, I yeah. didn't even think about the eighties. You're right. Sylvester Sloan, Arnold Schwarzenegger competing for whoever had the biggest biceps. 
<laughs> exactly. Van Damme. Like there was a whole yeah. testosterone driven cinema back in the day. Yeah, no, you Jackman, again, next time you see him, and well, he has a cameo in first class, but then in The Wolverine and Days of Future Past, it's the same, if not more. The 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 amount of cutness, the amount of uh, cut that he got for this. I don't <laughs> yes. even know what the verb is for that. The, Shred, the, how shredded. Shredded. Thank you. Thank you. Shreddedness. I like that. The yeah, the, uh, the amount of fitness he put in work he put into this character is, is crazy. We sort of mentioned Professor X showing up, de-aged again for some reason. Very strange. And it's it, it was it's weird to see uh, Logan sort of revert back to not knowing what the hell is going on at the end of this movie. I think you, yeah. in that one scene, you get why he's so pissed off in the 2000 movie. Because this whole film, he's like, <laughs> he's tense and he's got a burden, but he's he's less irritable, I guess, in a way. And then yeah. in that final scene, you're like, oh, there he is. That's the guy in the steel cage that doesn't want to be bothered by anybody. Yes, sir. Let's see. We have to talk about the CG before we move through this. $150 million. Where did it go, Jose? <laughs> you know what? I got to say, it's not as bad. Watching it over again, it's not that bad. Because like Will I Am with him disappearing and reappearing. Yeah, that was all right. It wasn't just him disappearing. You, you can actually see where his skeleton and his muscle, like it's a split second. So some of the details were there, honestly. Yeah. Victor grabbing his spine, I thought was like a really like, oh. That was really good. More of that kind of stuff with these guys mm -hmm. I think we needed, yeah. There was also a lot of, like, you know, with the Kung Fu movies with the wire work. There we go. Yeah. There was actually a lot of wire work that I thought was unnecessary. I think that's where it probably- 100%. It, it made some of these moves, like, I don't know all these characters, but the guy who had the precision shooting in the beginning yeah. when he went to jump over a fence, I'm like, so is he good at shooting and he's really good at jumping? I, I don't get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally had in my notes, I'm going to read it to you. Fight choreography and stunt work relies too much on wire work to amp things up. There's moments <laughs> yeah. where they're just like, everybody starts bouncing around. like, And it kind of makes sense for, for Victor because that's kind of yes. his vibe. He's very cat-like. So I'll, you know, I'll allow it there. Or gets or dog-like. Well, I guess it's more dog-like, but yeah, it's very dog-like. Or yeah. like almost like in aliens when they're cl climbing the walls and the ceilings. Yes. But again, Gambit actually this is where I got weirded out. Like there was a part where I forgot he actually his his staff gets broken into he fights Wolverine a little bit, but then he climbs up a wall with the staff sticks, like digging into the wall. I'm like, first of all, he's not that strong. <laughs> and then second of all, like, how is he able to do it so fast? He's not known for that. Uh, and so it was just like, uh, that just didn't make sense. There's, there's a couple moments CG wise that really stand out as horrific to me. Mm. Obviously the, the claws in the bathroom scene, especially yeah, it's very pretty obvious when the CG claws are, are going on. That looks, when he's clinking them together, that looks awful. It looked awful then. It looks way worse now. And it, apparently they had real claws all, like he was wearing on the set for most yes. of the movie. So yes. I don't know why the, in some scenes they're like, nope, we're going to have it. We're going to CG this. I was, again, I was watching the extra features and they talked about that. It's like, yeah, it's so hilarious to hear them say, yeah, we've had the claws really on their hands. We've had three movies to perfect them. So... We were excited to have them again. And I'm like, what happened? 
what <laughs> happened? And I think what it is, it's, I, I don't know if you've seen the prequel to the thing where it's like, it came yes. out and then they had practical effects, but then they were trying to touch them up with CGI. And then they ended up just completely covering them up with CGI. Uh, a lot of the effects, not all of them. There are some that are actually still there that are mostly of practical, but you just can't tell. Um, it's it's really interesting, but like, yeah, they really did a disservice to his claws in in that movie to think that in the previous movies it looked way better. Yeah, I would love to see that version of the thing. What is that? 2011, I think, when that movie came out. Yeah, I I had heard that, and I think that would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. The other moment in this one is when Gambit's trying to escape, and he and Logan is just like like slicing down, uh, I think it's the fire escape escape. ladder or whatever. I'm like, what is this? And what is happening? Yes. Yes. I didn't know how to incorporate that, but that was the other part. I'm like, this, this is cheesy. This is actually just cheesy at this point. That's there's, there's moments. It, it, it either goes super slow motion, like with the, the helicopter with agent zero and all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. or it goes super fast motion. Like I was saying with the fire escape and neither is, very interesting as far as you know design wise or or it's it's just the action is pretty much it's pretty rudimentary kind of across the board like okay we get it like that's that that's clearly not gavin hood's strong suit at least as far as i can tell in this film you're right (sighs) yeah i don't know right it's it's funny to think that with, with directors when when they have weak areas and strong areas that it makes a big enough difference because you like you think when you're tasked to create a movie like this, people would have the experience to, to do that. But I guess, yeah, this is definitely one of those times where I'm like, yeah, this guy is not. Although Ender's Game, it really surprised me to think that this guy did Origins and then Ender's Game. But he must have learned off of this to do a better job with Ender's Game. I hope so, yeah. Or at least maybe had somewhat more creative control because it does seem like a lot of the stuff that he wanted to do, Fox was like, nope. Yeah, too dark or or whatever. We got to keep it light and fluffy for the kids. But so then, true. I, I don't know. Even, but then it just makes the movie feel tonally off too. Because then you have the sort of I guess momentary like comedy detour where the the old couple find him in their barn and is like, oh, he's naked. Put something on. You're gonna give the old lady a heart attack. Like all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why is that there? And even the idea again. The idea of Logan finding solace in like a, a family living on in a farm, that's again, that's in Logan. That happens in Logan, mm-hmm. where you get sort of a sense of the kind of normal life he could have had. Yeah, but then they take it away pretty quickly again. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that it's not expected. You're like, what? They just got shot? So, I, I yeah, again. But then also, they give him his then leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. You bother so that you can establish, look, this is where he learned to really, really like leather jackets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right, movie. Oh, you. Yeah, I don't know. And there's, I don't have that much more to, to, to say on this one. It's worth pointing out that there was a leaked work print of the movie that came out like a couple months before it was supposed to come out. And I think that may have damaged some people's expectations or whatever. The box office wise, it still did fine. Uh, even though it does mm-hmm. feel sort of like it did end up being an anomaly in the franchise where they were, like we were saying, things were teased and never paid off. The only thing that actually does happen as a result of this is that 
apparently early on, I think on Last Stand or one of them, they were talking with Hugh Jackman about doing a movie with Wolverine in Japan. And that was something he was interested in doing because there's a whole comic arc with him in Japan. And there was an alternate post credit scene to this movie where he's uh, drinking at a bar in Japan and people, somebody's asking him, oh, are you drinking to forget? And he's like, no, I'm drinking to, from, to remember. And that's, uh, that's like the only thing in this movie that they key up that, and actually pay off. And then uh, it's, it's, it's funny because doing press for the Wolverine, Hugh Jackman was talking about this movie very frankly. And he's saying, you know, I had something to prove and we could have done better. better. Somehow the first Wolverine movie ended up looking like the fourth X-Men, just with different characters. Mm. I left unsure if we'd achieved our goal, which was to make sure people understood my character. Do you think this movie, do you think this movie helped explain who Wolverine is? Do you think, because I kind of, I think you has a very, he's pretty insightful when it comes to his, this character, especially. Yeah. Uh, he seems pretty dead on. So first I want to address the fact that I didn't know about that alternate post credit scene, which yeah. I think is amazing. Uh, so thank you for enlightening me. Enlightening I'm sure it's me. on YouTube or something. I don't even know where I first saw it, but oh, it's so out there. It's actually been posted. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. No, it's out there. But second of all, I think this is my side that I'm trying to be nice to the movie. Right. I think it does, in a very thin way, really establish Wolverine. I'm not saying it's really well done, but I think it does establish the idea of what they were trying to convey in terms of what Wolverine is. He's he's a he's an animal. He's made for fighting and and war. Uh, he's reluctant. And he fight he 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 wants to find solace with love interests, but he's always brought back into the fight. And I think overall that message is is accomplished. It's just not accomplished very well. Yeah, it lays a very shaky foundation for yes. the arc and the themes of the Wolverine. I guess is what, is what we're going with it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I agree. Because I mean, shit, man, Wolverine just does a great job. I mean, yeah. Hugh, ja Hugh Jackman. I literally, uh, I'm literally using his name instead of. That's you know. how inseparable he is from this yeah, character. I, I've seen some. That, yeah, go ahead. I've seen some posts that talk about how there's been three Spider-Mans, there's been multiple Batmans, <laughs> yep. only one man has played Wolverine, and that's Hugh Jackman. And I think it's great. I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Is there anything about X-Men Origins Wolverine we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure we mentioned before we start wrapping up? No, I think we covered it. I mean, it. you know what it was? I think I could say when I watched The Flash, not knowing what the move, like I didn't know the character that well. I, I, I have a very surface level understanding of The Flash. Mm -hmm. I watched that movie and I knew that it wasn't great, but I was still entertained. Yeah. I was I was thinking that, okay, I'm going to watch X-Men Origins Wolverine, and I'm probably going to see it with more friendly eyes. And I think to a small degree, yes, but overall, it still was not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> just, just as a guy who has some love for the X-Men and the idea that I like movies, it, there's still just a lot of things that weren't great with it. It had a lot of elements that were good, but overall it just still didn't live up to what it could have been. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I agree. I, it's, there's a reason that uh, because I'm such a completist when it comes to franchises. And I think me having a, a podcast about movie franchises probably <laughs> makes it pretty obvious that that's the kind of person I am. There's a reason that I 
own just about all the movies we're covering, but this is one that I got like $4, like in a discount <laughs> bin somewhere at Best Buy because I was like, I guess might as well. I right. got to fill that hole in my collection. Yes. So, so to you, to you, excuse me, <clears throat> what is the, uh, the legacy of the X-Men movie franchise? What does it contribute to cinema or the superhero genre? Oh man. I think as the, as the series, it is, it's going to be looked back on as one of the backbones of the, the, the X-Men are, it's going to be one of the core series that really allowed superhero movies to be part of the zeitgeist as shaky as the timelines, the characters, not all movies being great. It really allowed the superhero movie genre to grow, find its footing. It, it honestly, it found its way throughout the, the movies and I think that we it was it definitely has to be viewed upon as as something that we we oh man I don't know it's it, there's so much to it I think it definitely is one of the thing one of the series that we have to thank for better or worse as the cause for such so many of these great movies I mean it's not it, it's not like let's say the seeds to the X Men or it it's not like the seeds where the Marvel movies grew from but they were planted because of this series. Marvel came from the idea that X-Men could thrive. So then they could thrive as well. And in a way they both kind of competed against each other. And as we know, comp- competition creates good movies. And so for the most part that worked, I think. I think it, you could it, see, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. I, no, I rambled that, that makes, on a bit. No, no, that's, that's, that's what we do here. <laughs> That's no, I think you can totally see the DNA of the X Men franchise in pretty much all M, uh, the MCU, the DCU. Like, I think you could see all of it in there. And I keep pointing this out on, on this mega series that this is a franchise that started in 2000. This is between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. This is the era of this is like came out pre Catwoman <laughs> and now. It, it continued until the same year that Endgame came out. This is the span of this franchise. I, I'm going by Dark Phoenix, not New Mutants, because like you know, like correct, we said, correct. that doesn't yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it's really kind of seen it all, done it all, prequel, spinoffs, time travel. Before uh, the original X Men, the theatrical Marvel movies were as follows: Blade, Howard the Duck. And 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 X Men like Howard the Duck, Blade, and then X Men. That was the the trajectory. And then this came out, and then you know, then we had Spider Man and Daredevil and everything that, that came yeah. since then. So it's I think a lot of people sort of forget this franchise's sort of place in in the genre's history, just because it is because it was so sort of scattershot at a certain point. But when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's uh, pretty bad. A, it's a lesson to learn from, I guess. Yes, so it, yes. And, you know, going forward with this, uh, with this franchise and with the Wolverine trilogy itself, I think you, you see how, uh, how they, they zig rather than zag following this movie by going with first class and going with the Wolverine and, and sort of, uh, and that's going to be a really interesting part of this franchise too, because that's, that's the most connected these movies get at a certain, that's the closest they get to creating an MCU because 
that's the Wolverine, which references last, the last stand, but also leads directly into Days of Future Past in a way with the post credit scene. So that's going to be an interesting uh, period of the franchise. But what are your top three? Like, we're not doing rankings because this is too long of a franchise for that. What would you Correct. say are like your top three X Men movies uh, so of these 10? Of all that, we're including my top three, starting with three, is actually X2 which is funny because it's it kind of goes with uh, sequels because uh, yeah. Spider-Man 2 is one of my favorites as well. Same. So X2 is number three. X-Men First Class is number two. And then Logan is number one. <laughs> so it kind of ties into what we're talking about. Wolverine is a great character. Logan is a great movie. Yeah. It's R-rated, but it, it really, it's about the characters. And, you know, that I know that, oh, I don't know. I feel like, X-Men First Class is a, a close second. Like it is a lot closer than you would probably want to think with me naming those. Cause yeah. I think X-Men First Class does a really great job of setting up characters and setting up the history. It's not perfect. So I think, you know, there's some elements that, you know, they, they play with Emma Frost a little bit in terms of like, oh, is she isn't she a little bit young, old for what where the timepiece is set up? But then again, that's like getting into the nitty-gritty. Right. But Logan is just such a good movie. It really allows it to itself to be a separate movie, even though it can allow for the old movies to still count. And it also has a, a young lady who has the same powers as Wolverine. I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, so X2, X-Men First Class, and Logan are my top three. There are three characters from the Fox's uh, X-Men franchise that I've been really hoping that are somehow grandfathered into the MCU. One is Deadpool because mm-hmm. Deadpool just jumps around. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he can't be contained by a specific universe. <laughs> yes. I, they're going to reference it minute one in Deadpool three. Like, Hey, you feel like we're going to get rid of me that easy. You're like, no, I'm coming yes. into the MCU guys. Get ready. Feige move over. Number two is Quicksilver. Because I love that version oh, of Quicksilver. And they okay. almost did it in WandaVision until they like pulled that crap on us, which was really dumb. Mm-hmm. And the third one is uh, Daphne Keene's X-23. Like I love her version of that character. Yes. And I really hope somehow they find a way to, to bring her into the MCU. That being said, Logan obviously was the end of Hugh Jackman's road as this character, presumably. How do you feel about him coming back and suiting up in the yellow suit, finally, for Deadpool 3? I'm excited. Yeah. Hugh Jackman takes the, the role of Wolverine so seriously that if he's willing to come back for Deadpool, there's a reason. He, yeah. You know, granted, X-Men Origins Wolverine is not a great example of his decision making. <laughs> but again, I think it's a combination of many reasons that that movie did not do well. But ever since then... His role as Wolverine has been amazing, and I think that um, Deadpool is going to cover that. You know, it's it's one of those movies that it's I've heard already that there's going to be two versions of Wolverine. So he's so he's playing two versions of himself. Nice. Um, so it, it has that opportunity to really play on the idea that it's not the Logan that we know of in, from Logan. It's possibly other versions of of him. So. I'm excited to honestly see what what Deadpool does with with Wolverine, and um, I I am not skeptical at all. I think it is a little tough to see that the writer strike is probably going to affect the movie to the point where Ryan Reynolds can't improv, right? But I would hope that 
the core of their script was good enough that they don't need to stray anymore. And to be honest, sometimes I think improving too much is it's like it doesn't need to be done because I heard that Deadpool 2, because of the fact that Ryan Reynolds was has a mask on, he was literally dubbing new stuff to be more up to the speed of the times with mm-hmm. the movie. And I'm like, I get it, but they're not South Park. Right. This is, you know, let it be Deadpool. I feel like I feel like I might even be in the minority, but I actually prefer the original Deadpool to Deadpool 2. And I think mm. I feel like Ryan Reynolds almost had too much creative control on Deadpool 2 w- with some of that. But that's just I, that's I just can me. See that. I, yeah. can, I can see that. I mean, I'm kind of neutral. So I feel like both movies are just good. They're fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Deadpool 2 does suffer a little bit from like, oh, here, you did successfully with the first one. And we're going to do that with the second one. We're going to let you take the reins. I actually um, I, I want to admit then if, if we're going in that direction, I think the fighting in the John Wick movies was a little too much in the third and fourth one. And it got to the point for me where I could just see all I see them is doing sparring. It doesn't go on for a while. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. I know that they want to top themselves, but to the point where like he falls down a long set of stairs twice. (laughs) I'm like, come on, man. So it's, but yeah, I mean, the John Wick movies, I'm a big fan of, but yeah, the fights I think are just a little too much sometimes. Yeah. And that's why, honestly, with John Wick, my favorite is the first one. Yeah. No, yeah. I, and I'll keep it simple because I didn't want to. I could go on a long <laughs> rant about John Wick too. Mostly uh, we'll positive. Have to talk, we'll have to talk John Wick maybe at some point. And we're and uh, you know I'm definitely doing the Deadpool's on this show. Oh, cool. uh, when three comes out. So Excellent. yeah, I don't know. As for that, I I agree with you. I think I'm excited to see you, Jackman Wolverine, on there and uh, reuniting with Ryan, reuniting with Ryan Reynolds for the first time since this movie uh in a very different context and you know what i just hope they i hope they cram as many random people in that movie as they can like this is your last chance oh this yeah the, for everyone in the fox superhero movie like <laughs> yes uh, like get affleck in there as daredevil I, clearly jennifer garner's electra has been confirmed uh get the uh fantastic four those get all oh, of those man. guys in there all of it just i like, heard chris evans as well. is the chris evans is what's his name the f- fire guy human oh, torch yeah I heard that he's going to be in there, and I've heard you said him. What's his name? The dancing guy who was wanting to play Gambit. I heard he's going to make an oh, appearance Channing Tatum. as Gambit. Channing yeah. Tatum. I heard that he's going to be in there as, as Gambit. That's that's going to be awesome. I think it's the, this is going to yeah. be a great opportunity to see all that we wanted to see, maybe for like 30 seconds or less, maybe for like that, will, that little cameo. Yeah. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> how they're going to push Basically, it, I don't know. This franchise went on for like 20 years and they're going to clearly start over fresh, more or less, going forward. But it's like fans of these movies I think feel like just want to be heard and by putting Deadpool 3 in the MCU but still referencing all this stuff, then all of us fans will be like, okay, good, it counts. It's part yes. of the fabric. Yes. Just like they did with No Way Home. Like, you got Toby, you got Andrew Garfield in there. Like, look, it's all it's all good. And now the Spider-Verse movies are like, look, literally everything Spider-Man is connected. Yes. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yes. all right, cool. Uh, so I'm all about that. Jose, I this mean, was a blast. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, just, I think that the Spider-Verse movies have solidified that multiverses yeah. are a thing and that all these movie studios can combine if they're smart and it's going to make for great, great uh, movies. 
Yeah, these all these uh, filmmakers, Marvel, DC, they're just basically trying to throw the rule book out of the window and be like, look, if it doesn't match up, it was a timeline or a multiverse or the who the hell cares. It's all <laughs> it's all made spoilers, fans. It's all made up. It's all fictional. So if it doesn't square, <laughs> just tell yourself whatever you need to hear to let it exist in the world. And then we're good. Yeah. So I think that's really funny. And, you know, I feel like the X-Men franchise was maybe the first to be like, eh, it doesn't match up. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So, definitely. you know, it's all meta. They, they broke ground in that. Yeah. They broke ground in that way, too. But yeah, tell people where they can find you on social media. So as a photographer, you can find me, um, Jose Lopez Jr. Photography on Facebook. My Instagram is Jose Lopez Photos. I have a Twitter that I don't use, and I actually didn't even think ahead. Um, it's a different in, in handle, so I'm not even going to mention it. You can probably find me if you really want to, but the last tweet I did was probably years ago. And then, um, yeah, I think that that's all really, I don't know if I want to put my personal stuff on there because I don't really post, honestly. So it's all about my photography. There you go. And yeah, that's that's how you can find me if you want to sh- take some photos. I'm, I'm your man. Awesome. Yeah, Twitter might be dead by the time this episode goes up. Who the hell knows anymore? <laughs> well, actually, it's it might not even be called Twitter. It might it's, be called it's, X. It's X now, apparently. So, which... You know, what a fortuitous timing. I'm doing my X-Men mega series. Wow. While Twitter, like, Elon's coming for me, is what it sounds like. <laughs> He's got my number. Uh, or I have his. Who knows? We'll find out. There we out. go. It's meant Stay to tuned. be. Stay <laughs> tuned. Yeah, exactly. No, this was a blast. Thanks so much, Jose, for coming on. We'll definitely get you back on uh, one of these shows at some point or another. I look forward to it. It's, it's a lot of fun. This is definitely, I enjoy movies. I love talking about them. And to be able to share that with other people is great. Absolutely. Well, I will talk soon, my friend. Perfect. Big thanks to Jose Lopez Jr. for coming on to discuss 2009's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Definitely one that we were both uh, less than enthused about. But as we pointed out in this movie franchise and and these X-Men films, even the bad ones still have a couple of good things. Like Hugh Jackman's never not great, right? I mean, even in, especially in this role, like he's never not fun to watch, even when the material is, uh, let's say, less than on par with his performance. But I want to know, what are your thoughts on X-Men Origins Wolverine? Are you a defender of this one? I know there are some people out there that actually really enjoyed this film and uh, don't get why it gets so much hate. Let me know. You can find me on Twitter slash X, I guess, at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll be back next episode to talk about X-Men First Class, the reboot slash prequel of the X-Men movie franchise. Until then, catch you at the next stop, everyone. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>